Thank you for listening to Christ Alone Podcast, where we believe that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected according to the scriptures. Our hope is that God can bless you through this week's episode. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Angie and Steven's podcast. Crass Alone. Crass Alone Podcast. All right. God bless everyone. I don't know what your look meant. What look? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You give me a look. Welcome You're back, everybody. Welcome back. God bless you. God bless you more. Um, sorry, there seems to be an echo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so as promised, uh, you know, we're going to start today uh, James with James, uh, James chapter one. I don't know how far we'll get into it. Um, as far as my notes go, I think we'll only have time up until like chapter one, verse eight, mm-hmm. if we get there. Um but, uh, but yeah, welcome back. We hope that you've enjoyed the podcast so far. If you haven't done so, please go to Apple Podcasts, write a review, leave the five-star rating, and but also write the review. It takes less than two minutes, and it helps out the podcast a lot. So if you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to go through our episodes and listen to them all. Yeah. And we hope that this podcast equips you, edifies you, and prepares you. Uh, into, you know, a relationship with Jesus. Amen. All right, so, introduction. You want to do the honors? Um, James, so what I know of James is that it, he was... So, I used to think that James was written by James the Disciple, but it turns out it was, actu- it was actually written by James the brother of Jesus. And I think one of the... I, I don't know, the mo- one of the most fascinating things I I think I um, learned while I was studying for uh, the lesson that I gave on the reliability of the Bible was um, one of the reasons that we can date, well, a couple things. One of the the people that I listened to was uh, James Warner Wallace. He talked about how we can, uh, how how we can tell that certain books, um, well, basically the New Testament was written in the first century because a lot of critics will say that it's not actually written in the first century, and so why should we believe it? And so there's plenty of reasons why we can say, you know, how we know each specific book. Um, but one of the things that he went into was specifically Acts, which we know Luke wrote Acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luke, as a, the great historian that he was, basically talked about the history of the church, starting from when Jesus ascended into heaven after that. Um, and he stops a bit after, he basically stops when Paul is in prison in Rome. Um, which, you know, one of the things he said is if, you know, we can assume from that, that because he hasn't mentioned, he hasn't mentioned a few things that we can assume that Luke was written in the early 60s AD. One of those things is he doesn't mention any, anything about the destruction of the temple, which that's a huge part of the church history. So why would you not mention it unless it hasn't happened yet? Another thing is Luke mentions one of the min- some of the minor prophet some of them sorry some of the um, first martyrs so he mentions Stephen for example and how he died but he doesn't mention the death of Paul he doesn't mention the death of um, Peter he doesn't mention the the death of James Jesus' brother um, which happened early early sixties A.D. so that way 
So that means we can date um, Luke and a lot of the Gospels prior to that. Um, and then, I mean, we could also assume that uh, because James died around 60-something AD, early 60s, that he probably wrote it before before his death. Yeah. Um, but one of the other thing, um, uh, amazing things that he mentioned about, you know, but the reliability, not of the Bible, but of the story, basically, of the resurrection was uh, when we look through the Gospels, we see that James is a person who um, is basically, who, who doesn't really, while Jesus is around before he dies, he's not someone who's, who believes that Jesus is really God. I think um, part of it is also he didn't want to believe, right? Can you imagine growing up thinking that your brother is the chosen one yeah. or whatever, who has been written about for hundreds of years. Like, yeah. No pressure, right? Yeah. And I'd be like, well, we have the same mom. So yeah. what makes me so different from that person? Yeah. No way he's God. And so, um, I mean, there's even a verse where it says, you know, um, I don't I don't remember specifics, but Jesus is trying, is preaching or I forget what he's doing. Um, and basically it says something along, along the lines where, you know, his family were really didn't believe in him yeah. um, to be the God. Uh, to be God. And so, but what we see, um, what we see when we look at church history, when we look at the Bible is James turns out to be one of the fathers of the early Christian church. So how do you go from not believing that your brother is God to saying, um, no, not only is he God, but he has resurrected, he died, but he resurrected um, in the flesh and you know he's here to you know save yeah. the world. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. And I won't. And I won't recant, no matter how much you torture me, and no matter how brutally you murder me. Exactly. So, so I mean, that says something about a lot of critics will say there's no proof to say that um, Jesus was God or that he resurrected. I think James is proof that he was God and that he resurrected. Yeah. Um, and so we see him going into you know writing the book of James. Um, and obviously from that, we can see that that's part of the testimony that he is, that he Jesus was, was who Jesus is, who he says he was. Yeah. So he was an eyewitness Yes. in more ways than one. Yes. Um, all right. That was my version. Of that was introduction. your introduction <laughs> to the introduction. <laughs> to the introduction. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, sometimes the New Testament ref or people refer to the book of James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, the book of James practically and faithfully reminds Christians how to live. And I think that's one of the key things about this book. And I think in the next chapter, we'll probably touch on some things that that make a lot of Christians argue over, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, from perseverance to true faith to controlling one's, one's tongue, submitting to God's will, having patience... This book aids readers in living authentically and wisely for Christ. Many have claimed that James and the Apostle Paul differed on the question of faith versus works. But in reality, the spiritual fruit that James talks about simply demonstrates the true faith of which Paul wrote. So their writings are complementary rather than contradictory. Uh, possibly, as you mentioned, one of the earliest of the New Testament writings uh, it's expected to have been written between 40 and 50 AD. We're talking a max of 20 years post-resurrection. Yeah. Uh, the book is believed to have been written by 
Jesus' brother James. Uh, and we can see that in Galatians 1.19, which we'll read in a little bit. Uh, the epistle of James was likely written to predominantly Jewish Christian houses, uh, house churches outside of Palestine, based on the mention of the 12 tribes in the dispersion in verses 1 of chapter 1. It's distinctly Jewish content and its focus on persecution and poverty. Um, the, this part that we're talking about, um, it's all about being tested. And, um, oh, sorry. And like I mentioned earlier in Galatians 1.19, Paul says, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Uh, in Galatians 1, 11 to 12, it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, this is important because we understand that Paul and the apostles spent about three to three and a half years learning directly from Jesus. So, Imagine if we spend a lifetime in his word. We have the opportunity that <laughs> that these guys didn't have. Yeah. They had a very limited time. Yeah. And we're always making excuses for not being in his word. We're making excuses for not being in his word, for not going to church, for not participating in church, uh, whatever the case. So for, one thing that, sorry, one thing yeah. that the pastor mentioned today in his preaching that I thought was huge was towards the beginning of the preaching he says, uh, because he he talked about, which, you know, is a common theme, you know, we all struggle with wanting to go to church. We all struggle with wanting to read the Bible, to pray and all that stuff. He said, anyone can go to church, pray and read the Bible when they want to. But what basically demonstrates our love and our, um, I guess, our discipline in loving God is what we do when we don't want to. Um, and I think that's huge because, and I think um, that's, that's part of what James goes into. Um, and obviously, you know, we know, like if you've read James, it, it talks a lot about works. And like you mentioned earlier, we feel it sometimes almost seems like Paul's words and James' words are at odds with each other, but that's not the case. They complement each other. Um, where, you know, James's, James's point is, you know, yes, we are saved by grace and grace alone. But if we are saved by grace... Um, then our life is going to reflect what what that means. Like our life is going to automatically respond to that. And so it doesn't matter if I don't feel like I don't want to do these quote unquote Christian things. I'm going to I'm going to do them anyways, because I realize that this life is not about me. It's about God. So even when I don't want to pray or read the Bible or go to church, I'm going to go because my life is about him. And I think that probably in a sense is a very um, small, I guess, summary of what James is about. Right. So maybe what we can do is just read the first chapter and then start breaking it down. Okay. How do you feel Sounds about good. that? All right. Do you want to do the honors or? Yeah, sure. All right. James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of, of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, that he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Amen. Stop there. Yeah. So James 1.1, 1, 1, um, it starts with, and we mentioned this in another episode, it starts with James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Um, you know, Paul starts the same way in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart by the gospel. Peter starts Second uh, Peter with Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude starts with Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James. Revelation 1.1, John starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So it was very important for them to make the distinction that, number one, I am a slave, and number two, that my master is Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, we have an episode on that. You know, who are you a slave to? Go listen to that and um, get more insight into that part of James. All right, so, um, so yeah, so we are we are identified as uh, slaves of Christ or belonging to Christ, obedient to His commands, uh, and in other words, we are ambassadors of Christ and His kingdom. Uh, now, James one, that second part of verse one, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. This second half of the verse uh, implies, I'm sorry, simply refers to the Jewish Christians that have been scattered abroad after the resurrection. Likely the same ones that were present at Pentecost, converted by the Holy Spirit after he came down on the apostles in Acts 2. Which really quick, uh, one of the prophecies in the Bible is that in the, in the end times, what's going to happen? That Israel is going to come back, right? And they're yeah. going to come together again. And obviously... Um, we see the start of that in 1940, is it what, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. Um, and then, you know, over the years, more and more Jews are coming back to Israel. Um, and that's one of the signs of, you know, Jesus coming for, for his church soon. Amen. James 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet the trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing uh just keep in mind that my brothers when when james is referring to here it also means it it means brothers or sisters in the new testament usage depending on the context the plural greek word adelphoi um, is translated to brothers which can refer to again brothers and sisters there's no He's not speaking specifically to men only, is my point. Okay. To be clear, make sure you call me sister, never brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of all kinds. When I read that, I was like, what? Which is different from, I guess, not so much what the world teaches, but what the world, I guess we can say teaches. It, it, yeah. Like we, whenever we go through something, we're taught to complain, we're taught, we're taught to say, why God? Like I think we've talked about before, that's one of the reasons why people either don't believe in God or are angry with God because they see the trials and tribulation and, we, and they say, well, how can a good God, you know, allow this? And something we've talked about before is one of the reasons is God is not just all uh, powerful. He's not just all loving but he is also all knowing and all just and all just and so when you look at all those things and he and if we were to dive really deep into that we would see that he allows certain tribulations to happen certain trials to happen um because you know he sees the whole picture whereas yeah. we only see part of the picture i mean think about this here's here's what gives me enough confidence to trust in god he became part of suffering. He became part of the problem to, to feel it, go through it, understand it, yeah. so that we can trust that he knows what we're going through. Yeah, which is different from any other religion. It's uh, um, something very unique about the Christian faith is that God is a very personal God. He's not, he, his, um, he never says, all right, you're going through a hard time, deal with it yourself. It's more like, Hey, I went through the most difficult time that mm-hmm. anyone could ever go through. Um, and, you know, I, yeah. I, went, I went through that so that whenever you go through anything, you can lean on me. No one in any other faith can tell you 100%, yes, I am under God's good grace. I am saved. I will see God in, you know, when I pass away. Nobody can say that except for the Christian who has, who has a solid grasp of yep. his or her worldview. Amen. We're the only ones that can confidently say, yes, I will see Christ at the end of this life. Amen. Um, and something that I, <laughs> it's, I really like about this verse, it, it doesn't say, hey, um, it's going to be okay when you meet trials. It doesn't say that. It says, count it a joy. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like, hey, I got into an accident. <laughs> My family just died. <laughs> like, no, yeah. it's not, you're not going to, you know, I think there's a very, I think we've also mentioned that there's a very distinct difference between joy and happiness. Joy doesn't necessarily mean that you will be happy. You can still be unhappy, go through an unhappy, uncomfortable moment and still have joy in your heart, meaning you have the confidence and the trust that God will see you through it all the way to the other side and that everything is okay because ultimately there is a reason why God allowed this to happen, which you may or may not know in the moment or ever. 
right? I think about Job all the time when something like that comes up because Job never finds out why God allowed all those things to happen to him. He had it all. God had a hedge around his entire life and he allowed Satan to mess with him and he stayed faithful. Right, and what does Job say in verse uh, chapter one, verse twenty-one? He says, "God giveth, and God taketh away." Right. But he glorifies the Lord in that right. same verse. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep that in mind. And and these are the, you know, these. This is where, where yeah. my mind goes to when when I see suffering and evil. And that was his response to his wife, who had said, um, "Well, where is this God that you like? Yeah. Why do you keep still keep worshiping yeah. this God? Kill yourself." Um, and something that I loved about I love about Job is his integrity. Yeah, and that's when you know that verse comes in. He's like, "It does see God. God's greatness is not changed by my situation, by what He allows or doesn't allow. God is still good no matter what, and I have to yeah. trust that He will continue to be good." Um, and that he works all things for the good of those who love him. Amen. All right. So where can we see this? I mean, we're encouraged by this throughout the scriptures. We're reminded of this. Matthew five eleven through 12 says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. First Peter 1, 5 through 7 says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in other words, we will be hated, we will be persecuted, we will be spoken against falsely and with evil intent, we will be grieved by various trials, but we also will rejoice and be glad. We will be guarded by God's power through faith. We will be saved, we will be tested in faith, we will be tested by fire. But what's the point of all this? What is the point of all this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did you want me it to answer results, that? Yes, I wanted you to answer. It results in praise, glory, and honor all at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I, I would say is probably the it just glorifies God. Like I think of, uh, Pastor also mentioned today, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, in the book of Daniel, where they're thrown into um, pit the, the pit of fire, and because the Nebuchadnezzar is like, you need to, you know, be serving the, you know, you're serving me and the God that I make. Not don't serve your God. Um, and then when you know he tells them, you know, I'm gonna throw you into this pit of fire. Their response is, I know that my God can save us from that. I know that He will. But even if He doesn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna worship any other god. I know who my yeah. god is, um, and so that ultimately glorifies God. Yeah. And by the way, the 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 honor and the glory and the praise that that Christ receives, um, it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that he is gonna receive it when we're face to face with him. Um, you know, it's gonna happen from this moment. Like your eternity starts when you're born again. It mm-hmm. doesn't start when you see Christ face to face. And so this is the joy, like we mentioned earlier, the joy of the Lord. 
the joy that goes and stays in places where happiness cannot be maintained or keep up. Amen. All right. All right. James uh, chapter 1, 5 through 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will, it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Amen. So if we lack, lack wisdom, ask. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Um, ask without evil intent, right? Proverbs 28, 5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. So that is why the world is the way it is in terms of justice, right? Abortion, transgenderism, sexual deviance, human trafficking, corruption, division in government, society, race, politics, even church, right? right? All right, but... When we ask, we do so to God, we do so in faith and without doubting. And why is this required? Well, Isaiah 57, 20 says that, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. Ephesians 4, 14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Um, what does that mean? It means don't be wishy-washy. Yeah. You know, you can't have a wishy-washy attitude about this. Are you in with Christ or are you not in against uh, with Christ? Um, you know, if you're not with Christ, you are against him. Right. Right? All right. So. Um, and the Bible says that when we have... Um, Faith as a grain of mustard, we can basically do anything. Um, so, yeah. you know, one of the big things is, you know, don't, like you mentioned, is don't doubt when you pray, don't doubt. And obviously we're human um, and we're going to doubt a lot, but that's things to pray to God about. God, I am, <laughs> Lord, your word says not to doubt, but I'm, that's the only thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. So please help me with that. Please help me believe. Please have. Let me have that faith like a grain of mustard. Yeah, don't go with the flow and just expect God to show up, right? Because God is not a prayer or miracle vending machine. That's not right. how it works. It's not a genie. You don't get it, get your Bible and rub it and then God just shows up. That's right. not it's not how it works. Um and it's also understanding that God God's timing is perfect and so just because I pray something he's you know, like we said, he is all knowing. So he's not going to answer whenever we ask. He's he's going to answer when he knows that the time is right. Yeah. Um, so we see an example of Solomon and also an example from Solomon. I'll read the of Solomon and you can do the from Solomon. So the example of Solomon is in 1 Kings 3, cha uh, chapter 3, verse 9 through 12. It says, give, it, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, 
I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. So Solomon had a chance to ask God for anything. And God was glorified in that, you know, no matter what, like from everything, anything Solomon could have asked, he asked God for wisdom. And so that's what he gave him. And so the example from Solomon, and Solomon starts it in verse 1 and 2, reminding us that this is conditional. Proverbs 2, 1 and 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to understanding. So, so if, you, if yeah. you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments with you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, um, then he will give you that wisdom. Correct. God speaking through Solomon continues, Proverbs in Proverbs 2, 3 to 7. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it for it as for hidden treasures. I think this is one of my one of my favorite verses in that I've read in Proverbs. Um, to seek for wisdom as if you would something so valuable as silver. Um, but sometimes we don't do that. Um, then verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Right. So the requirements are you ask God, you ask in faith, you do it without doubting, uh, you receive God's word. Uh, you know, you, and also I take that to mean you receive Jesus, right? In other words, uh, you treasure up God's commandments with you. You make your ear attentive to wisdom and then you incline your heart to understanding. Um, that's important. What are some of the consequences of not meeting these requirements when you're asking for wisdom? Um, well, if you even ask at all, well, James 1, 7 to 8 says, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable and in all his ways. In all his ways, sorry. Ways. Yeah. So do not assume. Don't be double-minded. One foot in, one foot out. Uh, this also calls out lukewarm Christians. Uh, don't be someone that claims to be a Christian but does not live like one. Um, all this basically describes a fool, right? Proverbs fourteen seven says, "Leave the presence of a fool, for there, there you do not meet words of knowledge." In other words, let the wisdom of the Holy Spirit guide you away from a fruitless person, not just fruitless but foolish. Other translations say, or you will not be able to discern words of knowledge, which is to say what they might call knowledge is not true or useful knowledge. Yeah. Um, and also, I think a lot of times people confuse wisdom with knowledge. And I think it's my opinion that wisdom is the, the active measure taken to use that knowledge or not use it. So right. there's, what is they, what is they, knowledge is power. I mm -hmm. hear that all the time. Knowledge right. is power. But I don't believe that to be true. I think the power is in the wisdom. Mm -hmm. And the wisdom comes from what you do with the knowledge that you have. Right. We all have the knowledge of God in our hearts. Yeah. But we suppress it. Yeah. And so what we're doing with that is we're not just suppressing the truth of God, 
we are suppressing the power that comes with it and the wisdom that comes with it. We're just forfeiting it. It's like God's giving us the wisdom starter kit and we're just, whatever. We don't care about it. it Yeah, just throwing it away. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, just be wise. Be uh, prayer mode all the time. Uh, I, I always pray for wisdom. Uh, wisdom, understanding. I pray. I pray for wisdom and understanding as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a son, as a friend, as a coworker. We have to, because mm-hmm. each of those positions that that you may fall under, you know, require wisdom to be able to use specific knowledge towards a, a certain person. Right. You know, it's like when we talked about in apologetics. You're not answering the question. You're, per- you're answering the, peop- the person who's asking the question. You know, if five people ask you the same question, you're gonna, you might have to answer it five different ways while still contextually maintaining the, the same answer. Right. So um, where can they find us? They can find us at Christ Alone Podcast. All of our handles are ChristAlonePodcast.com except for Twitter. Which Sorry. is now X. Sorry. Except for X. <laughs> well, I'm going to... Yeah. Forget that a couple times, except for X, which is Christ Alone Pod. And our number is 407-796-2881. Uh, feel free to text us, uh, call us. Um, you can uh, leave us your questions, suggestions, prayer requests. We are here for you. Don't forget to visit our um, our online store and go through the different cool shirts that we have. Uh, don't forget to also go to Apple Podcasts. Less than two minutes it takes to write a review. And share the podcast with whoever you think might be encouraged and be equipped by it. Um, that is probably the easiest way for you to support the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this podcast is listener supported. So if God puts it in your heart to help the podcast out, you can also do so with the links provided. Um, and uh, that's it. God bless everyone. God bless. And if we don't see you next week, we'll see you in the clouds.